Welcome to Mission Possible. You have been called to a special mission. If you should decide to accept this mission, then please stand by and you shall receive special instructions from Agent of Reconciliation, Ron Lewis. Please follow his instructions in order to fulfill this mission, which you have been called to. This message will not self-destruct in the next 30 seconds, 30 minutes, or 30 days. Please prepare to receive your special instructions at this time. You know, I'm very glad that uh, one of the songs we sang today is about all things that are possible. Mm. You know, when I was just about 15, 16 years old, ever since I was a little kid, I liked to draw. You know, I was kind of an analytical person, and my dad recognized that. And he said, son, you should think about being a draftsman. I said, what's a draftsman? It's somebody that draws plans that people build things by. You probably do good at that. I looked on my four-year plan in the high school I went to had vocational drafting. So guess what I did? I took vocational drafting. And there were people that said, ah, you'll never be a draftsman. Guess what? I had a job that I graduated from high school as a draftsman. And I did that for about nine years. Then the Lord called me to ministry. And I had people say, ah, oh, you'll never make, make a preacher. He's just, just not in you. He's just too shy, just, just not a preacher. Here I've been preaching for 40 years. When I was about 29 years old, the Lord put it in my heart to go in the military, which is not kind of a typical thing for a 29-year-old. Usually it's 17 to 19-year-olds that go in the military. And the, but the Lord put it in my heart. You need to go in the military. I'm going to use you, and I'm going to set your life up for some other things. There again. Almost every minister I knew, which I had been ordained and licensed with the Assemblies of God for years, almost everybody I knew came to me, and they th had the thought I was abandoning the ministry by going to the military. Can I tell you, I had probably more ministry when I was in the Army than any time in my life. I've prayed for people that got healed. I've led people to Jesus. I've been a minister. I've been an influencer. And, and I didn't go in as a chaplain uh, driver, chaplain assistant. I had somebody ask me one time, why didn't you just be a chaplain assistant? I said, okay, name me the chaplain assistant. What's his name? Do you know what he looks like? Well, no, I don't. Well, that's why I wanted to be a tank mechanic. So I'd be out with regular guys doing regular things, but being a beacon for Jesus. And you know what? People told me, you'll never make it in the Army at 29. You know what? I made it, and I made it well. When I came out of there, I always wanted to finish Bible college. Oh, you're too old to finish Bible college. Now I not only have a bachelor degree, I have a master of counseling psychology. I've got the best job with the best pay I've ever had. And a lot of people said all these things were impossible, but nothing's impossible if God puts you in it. If you follow God's leading, all things are possible to him that believes, okay? And it's not because I'm something special. It's because he is. Amen. And he chooses what you and me and us is going to be. And if we follow in what he leads us and we take that first step, we launch that boat out into the deep where it starts, then we can cast the net for a big fish.
catch. So that's what I want to preach to you about today. That's not my sermon, so my time hadn't started. I know there, there's an invisible trap door here. If I go over time, Pastor Rudy's got the switch, and pew, here I disappear down the chute somewhere. Hopefully that won't happen today. But I do want to preach about mission possible today because we have a mission that we're called to, and it's not just Pastor Ron. Oh, you kind of have the calling of evangelist. I like to look at my calling as an evangelistic calling with a pastoral heart. That's what my calling is. I've always taken small things or things that didn't exist and built it up and made it stronger or bigger. That's what I feel we're doing here. I feel we're going out to do a relaunch, really, with the 6 to 11 people. But, you know, there's a lot of good possibilities here, and that's all I need is a possibility, right? All I need is a calling and an equipping and a you go, boy, and I'll make the way. You see, the even the four square isn't big on appointing pastors that are 55 and older. And I am a little older than 55. But you know, when the Lord put it, nudged me, put your name in for this. The first thing I thought is, are they going to think I'm too old? You know, that's never come up. It's almost like the Lord said, you step out and you just watch what I do. And here we got the appointment. I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to walk in it. We're going to take our main text from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. And um, there's some points that I do want to go over with you today. They're very important. Lord, bless this, this word that you've given me to give to others. Let it be to them what you made it to me, Lord, and do your special work that only you can do with your word. Transform us, pull us closer to you, and help us to serve you with all our hearts always, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as a foundation of this, the foundational principle of what I'm laying is the fact that um, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, starting with verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their sins, trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, that's a good East Texas expression, now then. Um, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, the foundational issue of this whole thing, that to kind of set the stage for this, is 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward him. Listen to this. Not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. That's God's heart. That's God's mind. His heart, his mind, his will. He does not want people to perish. He does not want people to die without Jesus in their life. He wants all to come to repentance. And he wants to use all of us for that. This verse with the context 
1 through 9, which we're dealing with Christians to whom Peter was addressing. Those living in the first century were thinking Jesus would return in their lifetime. Just the people here think that. They really didn't think it would go beyond that. But God was not slack concerning his promise. He was letting them know, if I've promised this, I'll fulfill what I promised. It's just not time yet. But he does not want people to die without Jesus. This is the reason God is holding off the return of the Lord right now. God, God the Father could tell Jesus right now, go and get my people. Only reason he's holding off because he wants opportunities for more people to get saved. He's not willing that any should perish. Now I want to look at this text and I want to go through some parts of it with you. First of all, let's talk about being in Christ. That's a really good thing, isn't it? Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember when you were regenerated by the washing of the Holy Spirit, renewing you from the old person, dying and the new man coming to life in Christ? That's what it says. We're new creations. Old things have passed away. What old things, Pastor Ron? Well, the old things such as your old ways of thinking, your patterns, your habits, your worldly way of looking at things, your perspective on things, your judgments in things, having your own little personal agenda in your life. All those things that you associated with your worldly way of life before you knew God, those things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What things have become new? All the things. He's given you a new mind. Romans 12, 1 says, be not conformed to this world, but be renewed by what? The transforming of your mind. We got to have a renewed mind. We got to have a renewed perspective. What is our perspective? We love what God loves. My life does not belong to me. It belongs to him. Therefore, I do his will, not my will. That's part of the new man creation in us. When I become part of Jesus, it doesn't matter what I want. It matters what he wants. My life belongs to Jesus. And if he puts it in my heart, I went out there to the church originally just to get some fill-in preaching, to be honest. Because I like to preach. I like to teach. It's what God's called me to. And so I went out there thinking, well, I like churches, just like uh, Pastor Gary said he, he loves the church. I love the church, and I love helping little uh, churches are having troubles and struggles. And I thought, well, you know, it'll give me some fill-in assignments and it'll give me some help to give to somebody and I'll invest myself in that. Yes, I'll go. First time we went, we're used to church starting at 10. Well, there don't start till 10.30. And Hamlin is a, not even a fourth the size of Duncanville. You can drive from one end of the other, town to the other in about, hmm, if you're hurrying, three minutes. If you're not, five, you know. And you can go east-west about five minutes. And so here we were. We already went and got donuts uh, for breakfast. They didn't have coffee, so we didn't know where a coffee place was. My wife doesn't drink anyway, so she didn't care. So then here we are, already dressed, already ready to go, and we're still 45 minutes before anybody's going to be at the church. So what did we do? We go driving around Hamlin, just seeing what, what, the, what gives, you know. And so we see brokenness. A lot of places. We see these little houses that are just 
so dilapidated, looked like somebody could hit them with a hammer and knock the whole thing down. But then we see new at the same place. And that was kind of inquisitive to me. You have all this decay, and yet you have new life at the same time. And that was interesting. And I, I saw the people, and people were in town doing this and doing that and going about their business. And the second time we went back, it really gripped us both. And about third time we went back there, the Lord started nudging me. Put your name in for this place. I've got, a, I've got something for you to do here. Okay. But it's because it's not my will, it's him. He owns my life, I don't. Is it a, I, I've loved being with my, uh, my daughters who all live in the area. My second daughter's here today with her family. And one of my grandchildren is a miracle. And I just thank God every day for her. But I believe the Lord put us here for that time to be a support, to be a strength, to be a help. But is it hard for me? Yes. But my life doesn't belong to Ron. My life belongs to Jesus. And if Jesus says to go to him, then Ron goes to him. And if that means eventually Ron has to give up the best job with the highest level leadership he's ever had, then so be it. He'll make something happen there. Okay? So as we cast the net and as we launch the boat into the deep, God will make sure to make a way. Amen? So the old things have passed away. The old, all things have become new. And now look at the interesting thing at the end of that verse 17, or actually 18. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Whatever in the world is that? Thank you for asking. I've got the question answer for that too. To be reconciled, something has to be estranged and broken off and disconnected from something. So the Bible says we we're foreigners and aliens towards God and things of God before we knew Christ. They were aliens to us. The Bible says the, the carnal man can't even understand the things of God. They just hit and bounce right off the forehead, hit the ear and bounce right out, doesn't even go through. So reconciled to God means God has to intervene in our life and put people, places, and things in action to bring us to a place where we see the convincing, the convicting, and the converting of God in our life. He convinces us because he interacts with us, and he makes sure we hear these seeds of faith that create faith in us. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. So faith comes from hearing the Word of God. And so as we maybe see a little blip on TV, as we maybe hear something on the radio, as we maybe hear somebody say something, we remember a story our grandma told us or our Aunt Sally or somebody told us something. And all the collection of all those things, God works it in us to convince us that he's real, then to convict us that we need him, then to convert us because we want him in our life. And it's in that process that he gives us reconcilement we're estranged from him our mind was dark to his ways our life was empty and void without him we were storing up the wrath of god for our lives and yet he spared us from all that 
And now he considers us sons of God, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. What more could anyone ever want than that? What a blessing, right? To, to go from being, a, a, as my dad used to call, a stone-cold sinner, totally in darkness, totally without God, totally without any hope, to a person who is in his image and likeness and re reconciled to him and who's now being fashioned after his image and likeness and who's now walking in his will and his ways and in his word and doing the things that he did when he was here. That's reconcilement. And see, the interesting thing is when we're reconciled to God, that's when we're saved. When we become born again, Titus 3, 5 tells us, not by works of righteousness. It's not because of anything we did. You can get baptized 15 times. You can go down a wet center, you're going to come up, go down a, a center, you're going to come up a wet one. It is not what's going to change your life. Baptism is not what makes you saved. Baptism is what shows that you've already been saved and that the regeneration work of God when the old man died and the new man's given new life in Christ, that's what it symbolizes. You're making a public testimony that Jesus commanded us to do to show the world and every witness around that we are now in Jesus. We've been born again in him. That's what it does. But it's interesting, when we become saved, it's not by works which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's a good definition of being born again. If you see people that come down to an altar and they say, repeat after me prayer, and all of a sudden you don't ever see them again, I used to see that in assembly of God all the time to the point where it really, really started bothering my heart. God, what is it with all these people that come in here on Sunday night? And they come to an altar, they cry a puddle of tears, and they're doing this, and then you never see them again. And they never, ever walk with God. What is going on? They didn't get the nature change. They felt sorry for their sins, but they didn't get converted. They felt bad about what they did that was wrong, but they didn't feel bad enough to become born again. And so that never happened. That connection never took place. But when you renew, it's interesting. When you get saved, you get saved because you're a receiver. And now God sends you and changes your life. Instead of being a receiver, he authorizes you to now be a transmitter. You're no longer just a receiver. You're a transmitter of his word to others, just like he transmitted himself to you through others. So now when you're saved and you're reconciled to God, now he gives you the ministry of reconciliation. Does he give that just to the fivefold ministry? What do you think? Doesn't say that. Does it say that? Therefore, if anyone, anyone, is that you? Is that you? Is, who is that? Who is there anybody here that does, doesn't apply to anyone? Don't think so. So that's all of us. If we've been reconciled to God, then he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And there's no, there's no take backs. There's no, well, I'm exempt because that's not really my gift. Don't matter. Well, I'm not really comfortable. It don't matter. He has called you to the ministry of reconciliation, 
And you have to do it because it's part of your DNA now. It's part of the new man to share God's love and his message to other people. Now we're going to talk about the mission we're called to and committed to. It's interesting. He talks about the ministry of reconciliation. Then on the next verse, he tells us, and he's committed to us, the word of reconciliation. What's the difference? I'll explain it. Thanks for asking. <laughs> the ministry of reconciliation aligns with Acts 1.8. In Acts 1.8, Jesus specifically told his disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You will be my witnesses. So the ministry of reconciliation is the calling to be a witness. The word of reconciliation is a little different. In order to give someone the word of how to be reconciled, you have to be a discipler. In order to disciple someone else, you have to know the word well enough to teach it to somebody else, right? That's the difference between the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation. Ministry recognition is for you to be a witness. Anybody and everybody can be a witness. It also calls us to study his word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul commended the Bereans being noble because they study the scriptures. We have to study the scriptures not just so we know how to please the Lord, but so we can know it well enough to teach it to others. We're called to be witnesses, but in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus told his disciples, go in all the world and make disciples, teaching them all the things I've taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. So we not only have to be witnesses, we have to be people involved in the word of reconciliation, discipleship. He wants us to disciple others, make disciples. That's not just for the pastor and the assistant pastors and the youth pastor and whoever else pastors and whatever other positions people have. That's for everybody that's saved. All of us, he said he committed us to the word of reconciliation, committed us. Now, we've talked about this before. So Matthew 28, 19, 20 is not called the great suggestion, right? It's not called the great variance. It's not called the great option. What is it called? The great commission. Commission contains the word commit. He is committing you to be involved. He is committing you to love what he loves. He is committing to go out and do the works that he did and greater than these will you do because I'll be with you. So we are to do his work in his word and preach his, his word and be witnesses and know his word well enough to disciple others to know how to follow him. Amen. Second, third thing he tells us here, we're called the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation. Then he tells us something interesting down here in verse 20. Now then, we are what? ambassadors for Christ. The assemblies God used to call their youth group Christ ambassadors, which I thought was really cool because it's right here in the Bible, you know. That was kind of cool. 
I don't know if they even call it that anymore. Doesn't matter, I guess. Now, that's an interesting word, ambassador, because an ambassador, the word here has to do with those who have authority or rank because of birth order. Like the eldest son. Sorry, Stephanie. She's not the eldest. She's the second. I'm the second child too, so I understand. But it, it's, it's a, it has to do with ascending rank order of hierarchy. It also has to do with the representative of a king or a ruler. We are representatives of a king and ruler, and his name is Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen? We are called to be his ambassadors. We're to represent him in the world. Well, how do we represent him in the world? Brother Ron, I'm going to tell you. John 14, 12 through 14. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he or she will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I'll be with, I'll go to the Father. And he says in this same text, if you ask anything, anything in my name, what does he say after that? Three words. Well, actually four. I will do it. All really short words, but it means a lot. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I don't know about you, but saying I can do greater works than Jesus, boy, that's, that's a lot, isn't it? I've never risen anybody from the dead. Always the first time, though, huh? I've prayed for people and them been healed instantly. I pray for, for God to give miracles, and he's given miracles. I'm seeing Brother Roger here today. Proves God hears prayers. Amen. God's faithful. But he says, greater works than these will we do because he's with us. As we walk with Jesus, he walks with us. And he's constantly trying to help us to be aware of needs around us, to not have tunnel vision, but to focus like this, to be panning the, the, the horizon for what is it you want me to do today, Lord? What work do you want me to do today? And then being ready to step into that thing the moment he brings something alive in your, in your heart, in your spirit, and you feel that nudge, go over there and love your neighbor. Go over there and take them a cake. Go over there and shake their hand and say, man, I'm so glad you're my neighbor, even if they're not a nice neighbor, especially if they're not a nice neighbor. I'm so glad you're my neighbor. God bless you. If you only love those who love you, what reward have you, Jesus said. So we are called to God. We're given a mission that we're called to. Reconciliation, we're reconciliation, ambassadors for him. And now we want to look at how do we accomplish our mission? Well, first of all, his will has to be our will. That starts at salvation, his lordship, and following his teaching, his ways, his word, all this is founded on submitting to him when we submit to him initially. One of the things Christians, I believe, have a problem with is sometimes they'll give something to the Lord, they'll lay it at his feet, they'll step back, and then they'll go take it back. But then they'll want his blessings. They won't understand why they get themselves in a mess. Well, because you were following his will, all of a sudden you got into self-will. Self-will ain't where it is with him. So if you're going here and you're going down the right road and all of a sudden you veer off way over here to the right, well, you ain't going to get where you need to get going this way, right? If I go down Interstate 20 
and all of a sudden I see something that looks really attractive for whatever reason, and I go off on a branch off road somewhere, and it takes me up into Oklahoma, I ain't ever going to get to Hamlin, am I? Not if I keep going north, because it's west. So we got to be on the right direction, and we have to be pliable to him. If we find that our will is not sinking with his will, then what do we need to do? We need to stop, drop, and roll, just like when we're on fire. If you find out you're not on fire because you've lost your fire, then get lined up with him. First, drop to your knees, roll once you've repented, get up, and keep running. Man, maybe you'll catch fire. No, somebody said, an old evangelist, I think, said, light yourself on fire and let everybody else watch you burn, you know. It don't mean literally, so don't nobody go out here and light yourself on fire, said Pastor Ron told me that because I didn't tell you that. <laughs> I said, it's like someone lights herself on fire and people come watch you burn. But the, the, that's a good adage to explain a very important principle because we need to have a life that's so full of Jesus that people know we're a Christian without us telling them. There should not be a reason when any of us don't represent that. Because, you know, it's interesting. James and John, who were part of the weakling cowards that denied Jesus and ran off and hid in the bushes when he was being whipped and beaten and spit on and slapped and smacked around and taken to a hill and crucified, the only one that went with him was John. But James and Peter and all the other sniveling cowards, they didn't have what it took then, did they? But look, whenever Jesus rose and he gave them that infusion of himself. He gave them that renewal, that reconciliation, that, that new fire that he lit inside them. They went before the Sanhedrin who told them, oh, well, we're just going to tell you, quit speaking in the name of Jesus. Well, you just see it best whether it's with you or not, but we cannot but help speak of the things that we've seen and heard and, and witnessed. Do what you want to do. We're going to talk about Jesus. That's basically what they told them, wasn't it? And you know what it says about those people? Those were the same people that had Jesus crucified. Do you realize that? And what was their response? They perceived that these men had been with Jesus. Wow, how'd they perceive that? Because they walked like them, they talked like them, they looked like them, they did the things that Jesus did. They spoke the things that Jesus spoke. They were the thing that Jesus was. And if you're what Jesus is, and you're saying what he says, and you're doing what he did, then there's not going to be any chance of anyone not knowing that you're part of him. In fact, if anything, they'll ask you, there's something different about you. I'm not really sure what it is, but boy, something. Man, I noticed this, 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 this. What is it about that? Here we go, Lord. That's your perfect opening. The curtain has opened. The great ta-da. It's happened, and now you have a stage where you have a chance to speak life into someone's life that's dead spiritually. You have an opportunity to be used by God to speak into the life of someone else something that may transform them instantaneously. That's pretty cool, right? That's what we're going to do. We have a small group of people. The smallest I've ever seen there when we've been there is five or six. The most they've ever had when I've been there is 11. 
So somewhere between five or six and 11 people plus us. But Jesus only had 12. And he changed the world. World changers. And brother, if we go there and we light ourselves on fire, somebody will come watch us burn. Brother Ron, we'll get out and serve somebody some Jesus. Brother Ron, we'll get out and tell somebody, hey, God bless you. Anything I can pray for you about today. I was just thinking about how God, good Jesus was to me. Is there something I can pray for him to be good for you about today? Somebody's either going to run away or they're going to tell me something to pray about. Or they're going to stand there. They're going to have some kind of reaction. Either way, God's going to get the glory. If they're not ready for it that right, well, brother, God bless you. If you need prayer, I'll come back another time. That's all we got to do is do what he says. Do it how he says to do it and give the strategy that he gives us, and he will make it work. How's he going to make work? Don't know. Hadn't got there yet. I'm just getting ready to launch the boat out into the deep. I ain't, I ain't cast the net yet, okay? But he, he didn't ask Peter to remember this. He didn't ask Peter to cast the net before he asked him to launch out in the deep. First things first. You got to take the step out of the boat before you can walk on the water. Second thing, we, his will has got to be our will. Second way we accomplish this mission is his heart has to be our heart. Is, is your heart his heart? When he sees somebody next door to you, if you see somebody that's so full of anxiety that they're spinning out of control and they're aggressive and they're mean and they're backbiting and they're pointing fingers and they're just ugly, do you know that probably there's a hurt in their life? God cares about that hurt more than he cares about there being a real pain in the neck. God don't want you to look at them whether they're a real pain in the neck or somewhere else. But he wants your heart to feel what his heart feels. When you see an unpleasant person, he doesn't want you to see them as the unpleasant person. He wants you to see them as he will see them once they're touched by him. And what is it that I can do to help them be from where they are to where they need to be? And what can I do for you, Jesus, to help with that? Is it nothing? Is it just to stand there and pat them on the shoulder and say, God bless you? And that's all you say that time? Well, then that's what you do. If he says, get the guy a cup of cold water because he's thirsty, then go get him a cup of water. Don't complicate it. Don't, don't make it. Don't, if, if it's simple math, don't make it calculus, Okay. And if it's calculus, don't make it simple. If God's calling you into something complex, he'll cause you to break down the little steps in the complexity. He will never call you to something that's beyond what he'll empower you and, and equip you to do. So his will has to be our will. His heart has to be our heart. The last thing, his work needs to be our work. What is his work? Jesus told his followers, the works that I do or he you will do also. Greater than these will you do. We seek others to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ as we have. We represent Jesus to the world with his life, with his love, with his power. Jesus has life, right? Don't you have life in Jesus? Well, that life is for others, right? His love is for you, but his love is for others that don't know him. Those that he doesn't want to see perish but come to everlasting life. His power. When you're in a place where you see the power of God unleashed on somebody, 
Let me tell you something. It will make an indelible impression. The first time I saw somebody get healed, it made an impact in my life that I will never forget. I was in the third balcony of Jones Hall, which is a concert hall in Houston, Texas. And I went with a group of people. We were Methodists, but we had a bunch of people that were spirit-filled in our youth group somehow. We went to this Andre Krauts and the Disciples concert. And that man, when he had a concert, it wasn't ever just a concert. It was church. And he'd tell you, you might don't mind if we just have church tonight. Everybody's going crazy, you know. But it got down to the point where it's getting down to the boots on the ground, the brass tacks, the reason he's really there to give someone a chance to find Jesus. And this young lady that was about a year older than my older brother, she had a young man that had come with her to this group of people that was sitting in like two rows. And he was sitting right next to me, and he had these what people would call Coke bottle glasses. They're so thick that he couldn't see five feet in front of him. And all of a sudden, he starts talking about how God wants to do great things for people tonight. Now, we're on the third, fourth balcony up, as high and far from the stage as you can be. Andre Crouch looked like he's about that big. And all of a sudden, no, we could barely see him. We could feel the power of God. I felt the hair stand up on the back of my head, and I started praying. And this guy next to me said, you know what? I've worn these glasses all my life. And I just feel like God wants to heal me tonight. And I, I just said almost half-heartedly, I believe it. I just went back to praying, God touching me. All of a sudden, I looked over about five minutes later. This guy has his glasses off. He has his hands lifted. God had supernaturally healed his eyes, just like that. I had never seen anything like that. He went out in the hallway after a concert. He put the glass on the ground. And he stomped them in the ground with his feet, with his foot. Never, ever wore glasses again. An instantaneous miracle of God. And I have never, I was only about 14. And I'm a lot older than that now. I ain't going to tell you how old, but I'm a lot older than that. And I have never, ever forgot that day. People do not forget when God touches them with his power. And if you're, you let God channel Jesus' power through you and touch people, they will never forget that impact. So if you're being a witness, if you're making disciples and you're doing his works, how can there be anything but his mission being possible? How can there be anything but his mission being fulfilled in us and through us? That's the question today. Why is this? This is why... Completing our mission successfully is so important. People's lives are at stake. We're talking about heaven and hell here. We're talking about eternity that never ends. You know, on a numerical table where pi is 3.1416, it's actually one five, and I don't know, it goes to infinity, and finally at the end it goes dot, dot, dot. You know what the dot, dot, dot means? It means it just keeps on going, and it doesn't ever, ever, ever stop. That's what eternity is. Would you rather someone go to hell and have the dot, dot, dot forever away from God because you were a little bit inconvenienced or because you really didn't quite feel the urge to be a witness or God told you, go and disciple him and sit with him and, and put him under your feet and, and teach him. And you thought, yeah, but, you know, I've got, 
I've got bowling league on Tuesdays, you know, and I've got, I've got, you know, riffraff on Thursday, and I've, you know, we're really busy, and well, we can either prioritize what's priority to God, or we don't. Pretty simple. Um, I want you to think about today. Where am I with these things? Ask yourself that question. Where am I with these things? Am I being a witness? Am I discipling others? Am I doing the works of Jesus? Think about it. Consider it. What do you need to do that you're not doing presently to enter into his mission and make it a mission possible? We have a God that's all about the impossible. He does the impossible as possible as though it's nothing. He doesn't flinch and he doesn't get intimidated because something is a little bit difficult. You know what? The, every Russian soldier they can muster on the border of, of uh, Ukraine can, can straddle up against them. And you know what? He can send flames out of heavens and destroy the tanks. He can do anything God wants to do. But are we willing to pray? I think we are. I think, you know what? This could be a really good thing in the midst of a horrible thing. Because I've seen more unity in the church in a week than I've seen in a year over people praying over the Ukraine. If God has to allow a situation to come apart, to, to, to pass, for us to wake up and unify with the church of Jesus Christ to where we pray for all the concerns of the world, then maybe, just maybe, that's his way of bringing us into unity. And I'm not going to knock that. Because you know what? He is the God of the impossible. One of my favorite movies I've ever watched is Facing the Giants. It's a Christian movie. And one of the things this guy says at the end, tell me something that's impossible. Nothing's impossible, coach. It's such and such impossible. No, coach. It's such and such impossible. Yes, coach. Is it this possible with God? Yes. All things are possible to him that believeth. That's us. So there again, are you going to accept your mission today? It's not going to self-destruct in 30 seconds, 30 minutes, 30 days, or not even in 30 years. It's our mission to make possible to do what God called us to do. God bless you and God love you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ron. Well, Again, church family, we're going to take some time to love on the Lewises in the fellowship hall. Please uh, hang around for a few minutes and do so. Next week, we're launching into a brand new series on prayer. Haven't done that in a few years, and I am super excited for it. May you be blessed. Have a wonderful week, church family. We'll see you soon.